Hello and welcome back to another episode of XY, Season 3, Episode DOS. This week I'm joined by a gentleman called Max Wilcox, who is an athlete, I guess you would say. A very impressive athlete. Um, he's someone that I followed online for quite a long time. He's someone that I really looked up to in terms of sport and fitness. Um, and the reason I invited him on the show is I actually saw him speak about his mental health on another podcast. So I have just decided to rip them off. Um, but alongside that rip, there is some really good, authentic, original conversation. Um, I don't know, I hope it translates in the show. Uh, because I really enjoyed my chat with Max. I found it really cathartic, really relaxing. Um, and as cheesy as it sounds, if an open road in a desert with a sunset background was a person, I feel like it would be Max. So yeah, I'll leave that one there um, and let him do the talking. Thanks so much for jumping on the on the pod with me. Um, we'll keep it super casual, keep it super light. I guess I just wanted to have a bit of a chat with you about who you are, what you do. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about running because that's something that you do quite well, I'm told. Um, I want to have a bit of a chat about how running impacts your mental health and, and what kind of connection that has to it. It's something that, um, you know, I've, I've heard you speak about on pods before. Um, yes. And it's certainly something that, that links back to me in a big way. Um, and then I just want to have a bit more of a generic chat around um, some of the stuff that's been going on recently. And it's that's not stuff I expect you to have answers to. It's more just... <laughs> conversation topics i'm not going to ask you to solve any problems but yeah just straight off the rip it'd be great if um if you could say you know who are you and what do you do well hi i'm max wilcox i am a producer in the outdoor sports lifestyle and adventure space and also for my sins i've considered myself a bit of a ultra endurance athlete (laughs) I don't think you consider yourself that. I think you are that. I've been on your Instagram. I've, I've seen that that endurance stuff going on. You're it's, not going to be the only endurance athlete we have on the show as well. So I'm actually really interested to get into um, just the mindset of it, actually. In fact, yeah, let's start there with the interview because there's something about somebody telling me they're running 100 kilometers or whatever that actually sounds less difficult than running a marathon. And the reason for that is, is I actually can't quantify 100 kilometers. Like the, the distance in my head, I would never make it remotely near that distance. So the idea of a marathon sounds exhausting because I know what 15K sounds like and feels like. Yeah, it's like it becomes unquantifiable because you, you, you're kind of nowhere near ever having had to understand it, right? Yeah, completely. So like, where do you start with that physically and mentally? You know, like what's the journey that you go on? You know, it's, it's that's such a good question. I mean, originally for me, I think it was the fact that these things just are seemingly unquantifiable from an, an imagination point of view. Mm. I think that's the draw for for so many people. It certainly was for me. It's it's like someone walks into a room and tells you that they're going to go and run a 50-mile race, and you're like, I have no idea what that that experience would be like. And then someone comes and stands in a, you know, the, the guy that comes in after him is like, by the way, like, I'm going to go run a hundred mile race. And you're like, your jaw kind of hits the floor. It's like, holy crap, like that. Like, how do you even, how do you even relate to these types of distances? And I think that was definitely part of the draw for me. It was like, was like, A, you know, you get to have that conversation with yourself of, we've got no idea what we're, <laughs> what we're doing mm-hmm. in terms of trying to run that far. 
but wouldn't it be amazing to find out? And is, and is that the kind of starting point for you then? It was the unknown was a bit of an appeal. It it definitely felt that way. Like it definitely felt it felt it felt like the insurmountable challenge in itself was was what I was looking for at the time. Yeah. And the prospect of of someone saying, like, go and run a hundred miles or or you know, here's a hundred mile race, like can you just make it to the finish? Yeah. Was just such a such a for me at the time was just such a great focus and challenge. Like, and, and I wouldn't necessarily, you know, when people talk about challenges, sometimes they're like, oh, like, you know, I took on this challenge and, and it was like six months of training and da, da, da. Like, it was actually for me, it was just something that I felt like I could try and make into my lifestyle of, of enjoying the, the or, you know, the, the amount of running or the running that I was doing because of the world that I'd kind of created around me, which was, I just like, I enjoyed, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the, the, not necessarily the solitude, but the personal endeavor of what running is, you know, no one does it for you. And then, so someone says, here's a hundred mile race, like you are going to find out some amazing things about yourself, but it's going to take everything you've got. You know? Yeah. That seems like a, like I'd recommend that to anyone. Yeah. I, something that I've always said about um, exercise and mental health for me is it's super binary in a really non-judgmental way, you either do or you do not do something. You either kind of succeed in your endeavor or you fail. And again, like not in a kind of way to like beat yourself up and, oh shit, I didn't complete that race or I didn't lift that weight or whatever. It doesn't need to be about criticism. It's just the facts. You did or did not do what you set out to do. And something that's that clean cut and simple is actually quite um, a rewarding space to be in where you are or are not doing something you know um you are running or you're stopping running because you can't run any further it's an it's a it just feels really achievable it kind of feels doable it feels really manageable and it's it's kind of all on you so you don't have to worry too much about it you know yeah the, the, i mean i find it really interesting because you know the, the prospect of a hundred mile race is is not the same throughout the whole race that's what's so brilliant about it that's what's so brilliant about any like long distance long time endurance event is your mentality on mile one uh, you know the the hard facts of a hundred mile race are this the first mile of a hundred mile race in terms of how you feel is going to be the easiest mm -hmm. and you, you you know you're never going to your body's never going to feel as good as it is on on mile one but the chances of you finishing that mile are significantly lower than how you then your chance of you finishing the last mile of a hundred mile race because there is no way in hell you run 99 miles your body feels the worst it has yeah. throughout the whole prospect and you do not finish that one mile yeah. knowing that it's the last mile so it's like and that's what i mean is like your mentality and, and the race itself changes as you progress because you're like holy crap i'm 60 miles deep into this like you know am i am i a person that wants to say enough is enough and then you're like, well, I can do five more. And then, you know, you get to 65 or you get to 70, you get to 85, you get to, you get to 90 miles. Your mentality stood on a 90 mile, at, a, nine, at mile 90 on a hundred mile race is completely different to standing at mile zero on a hundred mile race. How your body feels is completely different. Yeah. So like, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's, you know, it's the same with. Did it feel achievable at mile zero? As in at the start line, did it feel like, holy fuck, what am I doing? Or was it? Were you safe oh, for it? It's brilliant, man. I 100% I recommend you do it because I think it's, it's like, it's one of those things where every, everyone's like, oh, you know, 
I does it feel achievable answering your question? No. Yeah. I don't think you're ever ready to run 100 miles. I don't think you ever feel ready to run 100 miles. <laughs> Do you feel ready to give everything you've got? That that's the sense of that's the question you want to be asking yourself on on a on the start line of a <clears throat> of a hundred mile race, and that's why I still want to do more of them Ooh. because, like, I'm not I, I you know especially with the last 60, 16 months that we've had, it's like, like I don't care whether I whether I do it in in like sixteen seventeen hours or or thirty hours. Yeah, you know, can I do it? Is the like you said the binary nature of it? You know. Well, well, that's a good point, actually. You're saying 16, 17 hours or 30 hours. What is a, what's a 100-mile time? You know, what's a, what do people do it in? Oh, um, a good 100-mile a good time is anything under 24 hours. Jesus Christ. And, and that, if you do it under 24 hours, that would, for 100 miles, involve a little, I'd probably say 60, 40 running to walking, right? Like you can you can walk quite a lot on a twenty four hour hundred miler. Start getting down to kind of seventeen hours. You're not walking much, and your your kind of breaks are ten fifteen minutes here or there. Anything when you when you start hitting the sixteen hour mark and under, you're you're not walking at all. You're running the whole thing, Jesus and Christ. that that is. And then some guy has just set the uh, the world record for a, for a hundred mile race. That is just like I think it's like eleven hours something. It's like it, that is just yeah. So and it's amazing because you'll stand on a, this is the this is the thing right. Someone says here's a hundred mile race. You you'd imagine you turn up at the start line full of this kind of Spartan esque elite like you know ready to go to war, cape, six packs, spears. Yeah, definitely but you walk up you turn up to a start line 100 mile race it, you know it's every man and his, and his nan is is there because there are people that are just like you know what i've got 32 hours it's the challenge of walk running it walk running it and it's the 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 start line is eclectic it's not you it's not you've maybe got on a 100 mile race in the uk five percent of that field are kind of there to elite try and, yeah if that how interesting what do you think it says about somebody that they need to, well, need to, maybe they don't need to, but want to run 100 miles? Like, is it just that original point you made around the unknown, wanting to kind of tap into something in yourself that chases a seemingly impossible venture? Yeah, it's, again, like, this is this is why my, from my production stuff and my my interest in creating media around the world. This is why I find it so fascinating because the conversations you have with these people are just amazing. I bet. And the, you know, the, the rate of depression in, in um, long distance endurance sport is just like, is so much higher than any other sport. And it's, it's that it's, you know, the, the rate of people that have a history of addiction is, is so much higher. Mm-hmm. And, and then they kind of they, they get kind of channeled into these spaces i'm not saying everyone that's on a start line 100 miles is an addict and a depressive a manic depressive but there are people that that have kind of found their mm-hmm. calling in in being able to commit to the the process of and the enjoyment of of going out for a run and um yeah, I just like the stories you get on a start line. You know, you're turning up to a hundred hundred miler, Richmond to to Oxford. It's a dead, it's dead flat. It's a brilliant race, Centurion One Hundred, that is happening uh, in a few weeks, I think. 
and you'll go up to that start line and and, and there will be um there'll be tons of of you know 60 60 year olds 50 year olds 60 year olds who are there to kind of just power march for for 32 hours or 30 hours or whatever the cutoff is and it's insane and do, do people sleep to be honest we could i could ask you questions about this yeah. all day I'm I'm rapidly becoming wanting to sign up to one, and I've never. I think just talking to you has got me so motivated. But I'm like, let me get the, off this, this is, podcast. This is and Debbie, I'm running a hundred miles. <laughs> I mean, do it, do it, because because like it just like like this is this is the thing, right? Is I I said it you know a couple of minutes ago. It's like you're never gonna feel ready to do it, right? Yeah. You're never gonna feel ready to do it. Um, but you can, you can do it. So why? So like the, the hardest part is is actually orchestrating your life to say, well, you know, I've got this race in August. You know, I'm going to have to give myself at least, you know, five or six weeks. You know, if you keep your if you keep your training motivated, and then five or six weeks, you kind of actually put a bit of you know, kind of like let's let's avoid the pub garden for a few weeks. Yeah. <clears throat> how how long will how long do I need to to practice for? Which which Oxford Richmond? Stop laughing. Which Oxford Richmond race am I doing? Am I doing twenty three, two thousand twenty four? Which we could do it. Yeah, we could 100% We could do it this year if we if we started training now. If we started training now, honestly, God, it is such an adventure. I've never been August. I I've never been to a hundred mile race, and I've been to some absolutely great ones. I've been out into the Colorado Rockies. I've been I've been out. uh, to Western States in, in California um, and witnessed it. I didn't actually get to run that race. Um, and I've, you know, I've some really great races all over the planet. I've run 45 miles um, down in Patagonia on, on like almost the southernmost point of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, but the adventures you have along these, along these runs and the conversations you have and, and the misery <laughs> that you have, it's just brilliant. Is that that misery? I guess there are points in the race where you think this was a mistake, or oh, I yeah. can't finish here. Sure. Yeah, I think this is. I think this is it. Right? Is is the, you know your with, with everything the scope of your your scope of your achievement kind of comes from the depth of your kind of suffering to to get to that point. Yeah. Um, either that you know. So I, it's hard. Everyone has. Everyone has difficulty in their own way right or their their own challenges within within doing these things or you know self-doubt or whether it's just pain and agony or um whatever it is um and yeah i think i just think it's i think it's brilliant i think you find out so much about yourself i think that's what i don't necessarily think that's what people are searching for they're not like it's not like you know just it's not like going to take peyote in the desert or anything Mm -hmm. like that you know (laughs) It's um <laughs> that is a, that would be a significantly easier way. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like a different, on, different holiday. Yeah, I mean, but but then you know you do get the hallucinogenic kind of complete fatigue of of just being moving for for twenty four hours, and it's yeah, and you get the camaraderie and 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 like someone if someone offers you the world's worst ham sandwich whilst you're seventy miles into a race and it's pitch black at four in the morning, freezing cold you're just so grateful to that person you'll take it <laughs> not only that you're like the person that's handing it to you is is godly you're just like you are my favorite person thank you for life. saving my life yeah but where do you where do you get where do you get that gratitude from in real life right yeah do you know what i think that um the hilarious thing is that i was about to say like oh i know what you mean there when you were talking about the depth of your um misery is kind of relative to that feeling of success um because in a very different league 
I PB'd my 10K max um, at the weekend. Yeah, I got it. That's so good. What was the time? 45 minutes, 12 seconds, which I was quite, quite happy with. I've been trying to get it under 40 for the last year. Um, and this is me slowly dialing back the clock. Yeah. Nice. That felt pretty tough. And that's in a completely different um, realm. Yeah. But it so was, it was the, the point you made around the first mile versus the last mile, the first kilometer. I effectively convinced myself that actually I wasn't going to beat my previous PB that was a fortnight earlier. And it was in the last kilometer that it became entirely achievable because it was like, well, you're not going to not finish because you didn't want to run a little bit faster. You know, you're going to, you probably are going to beat that. Yeah. I mean, the 10 K like shorter distances, 10 K distances are like, it's a different kind of suffering and it's a different kind of what for me, I feel like it's a different kind of internalization. Like I might have to readdress our, um, our scope for how long it's going to take for us to train for the hundred hundred miler, but you know, well, <laughs> now, now that you've said that but that's all good <laughs> maybe we are looking 2023 and that's a good time like that that's a that's a nippy that's a nippy 10k for the average joe okay but yeah 10k in 45 minutes just north of 45 minutes when am i running my 100 miles when's the uh i still think you could do it i still well not yeah you, i mean you could do it this year the thing is is you can walk so much so my first hundred mile i didn't have a scooby do what i was doing right yeah. i didn't know i didn't know what was going on i i mean i was smart enough to to sign up to a 50 miler prior to to doing a hundred miler but they were like a month or two apart so i went from kind of never really having run a marathon to like marathon two months later 50 miles two months later 100 miles yeah um <clears throat> So I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I just, I just didn't want to stop moving. And, you know, it's the middle of the night. I was a 30 year old man or 29 year old man with my mum in a car, car park at 3am handing me sausage rolls. Brilliant. Uh, and, and that was, and that was it. So like, I mean, if you, you know, it's, I think that's it. It's, it's not necessarily, can I do it? It's, do I want to do it? And that's the question that, that will plague you as you as you do these things because you might get to mile 50 60 70 and be like i can do it i just don't want to do it and then you you might not finish you know i've got a friend who um listens to the show and he's basically the first person i text with these crazy ideas of i've just had this thought i think we should do this and i can already tell that as he's listening to this he knows he's going to get a text message retroactively so by the time he's listened to this podcast i have already sent him the text message yeah almost as if it's your own like your own yeah, totally. i've come up with this great idea i think we should run 100 miles from richmond to oxford in 2022 i think we should like work towards that do you know what like the thing is though that 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 richmond route right so one year i don't know what this is some of the dumb crap i've done right is some there, there was a race organizer down in the south uh southwest who would called endurance life that was trying to figure out a way and this was like 10 years ago probably even more yeah trying to figure out a way to create more revenue so what they did was they put little trackers on certain um national paths around the uk i think they had one on the south downs one on the thames path duh, duh, duh. pay pay your 10 12 quid like it's so you basically had an un registered unsanctioned race with yourself was that you could just dib in and like every time and Uh because these national trails are like you know some of them are like 150 miles long so i was like do you know what this sounds quite you know there there is some bravado to being the person that's run a distance the fastest Mm -hmm. like i always kind of 
it's not necessarily why I do it, but I've always kind of enjoyed it. You know, it's why. Yeah, of course. Like, who wouldn't like? You don't. Yeah. You don't compete because you don't want to win. Like, that would be yeah. Weird. So they set one up on the Thames Path. It started at Sheen Bridge. I mean, literally, you are looking for what is effectively the size of a coffee cup, like taped or or um, you know strung to a tree or a lamppost, like with and all it has is like a sticker on it. So like half your time, you're actually, you know, most of endurance. Um, long distance running is actually navigating and trying to figure out what you're doing, not necessarily moving. Yeah. Um, so I woke up at like, I want to say it was like two 30 in the morning, um, like five days before Christmas and just, just ran from Sheen bridge. Like I got, I got a cab there in the morning. Didn't have Uber at the time. Cab <laughs> dip, dipped in on my th- on this thing, worked my way down the Thames path from two 30 from about three 30 in the morning um, to Henley, which is, 50 miles um a couple of days before christmas to to get home and i gave my mum a call and was like um can you send one of, the, one of my brothers to come pick me up <laughs> clap they're like no get a cab <laughs> that's that's my family's approach to what yeah, i do but, uh, you made this mess you can sort it out what do the yeah. brothers do are they um olympic roar and usain bolt is it that kind of ah, it's such is <laughs> None of my family really kind of gravitated towards the sporting space. They, my whole family worked together. Like my 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 two brothers, my mum, my my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my other sister-in-law. They all work. They all work in the same. They they built a business. They they, cool, do, they they do their thing, and like I'm I'm the one that sits outside of that doing mine. That's amazing. It's really cool. It's really nice. I love watching it. I love seeing them do it, and I like I love supporting them when they do it. There's but a. They, They've never understood the sport, the, the yeah. especially the endurance sport thing. There's probably there's probably a separate podcast and a separate chat about why that is and what 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 prompted you to break the mold. But we'll save that for a different day. I think um, I wanted to tap into uh, a comment that you made, not in a podcast or in an interview or or anything like that, but actually when we were chatting about uh, my brand Nice Starts, and you said something about how you fell back in love with running. Um, what I guess what what is it about running that that made you fall in love with it? What does it do for you as a person? Oh man, I mean, I have no idea how. I, I mean, I I always say it like this. I say running found me. Like I didn't find running. Running found me because it, you know the journey that I've been on. I can look back to being seventeen, eighteen. Um, living at home in the summer holidays and just being like, I'm going to go for a run. Hmm. like where does that come from right like no one like I, I wasn't social media wasn't a thing you know I'm 38 years old that's 20 years ago like it, you know it's not like I'd watch running on tv and and be like oh like it's not like Wimbledon right where you watch hmm. Wimbledon and everyone goes and buys a tennis racket um I just I don't know I just like I would just in the summer I'd be like do you know what I'm gonna go for a run I wouldn't know why I and and this is the interesting thing I'd run for two hours like slowly slowly as hell like because I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about running. I just knew that I wanted to go for a run as a 17 year old. And, and bear in mind, I was a professional sport. I was a professional rugby player. Like mm-hmm. that was my space. Like I had no means need or service to, to run for an hour and a half or two yeah, hours. You just wanted to. I just had a like, do you know what? And I, and I enjoyed it. I like, I just, the, the mind space of it, the, the connection to myself like how it would make me feel was just huge for me. And yeah, I, I, you know, and 
and it wasn't it had nothing to do with a competitive nature or wanting to train for something it was literally so this is why i just say like running running definitely found me i got no idea how i ended up doing it but then it kind of grew and then you know i, I kind of came back to it a few years later when some buddies um mm-hmm. were just like oh we're gonna go and do this race and i i was i was just kind of always up for a, a challenge and then so cool yeah so how does it how does it tie into you know the kind of maintenance of your mental health? What what kind of role does it play in that, if any? The, oh, I mean, there was there has definitely been a time when the the running side of my life has has kept my oscillation, like my mental oscillation, where it needs to be. And what I mean by that is um, external stimulation. Like this is something I can say retrospectively. Like at the time, like I wouldn't have been able to say any of this. I'd just be like, yeah, you know, you're living in London. All your mates want to go out partying. You kind of don't really want to, but you you kind of do it. You know, you have your nights out, and you know, you have your girlfriends or your you know blah blah blah, and you know, there's just so much stimulation, mm-hmm. and and the running and the solitude and the fact that it was on my own, the fact that it was for me, the fact that like. I, like I, I that's I just gravitated to it like but hard and and I you know I did most of my running and this is the thing that I think kind of made a lot of people just think I was super weird was that um I did all my running down at Barnes running track so okay. it wasn't like most people think oh like running's running's the experience of like seeing things and da, 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 and taking in your surroundings I was running around a 400 meter loop wow but, but for, for, for two hours because I enjoyed it. Cause I enjoyed the process of it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed being able to just like, so, How fascinating. So, so for me, it was literally the fact that because I was going around that 400 meter loop, I didn't have to worry about stopping. I didn't have to worry about traffic light. I didn't have to worry about someone. Da, 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 da. Like the number of miles I put in around Barnes running track because I gravitated to just being able to move and the process and da, 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 and how it made me feel was was for not, and I would always like if I if I could I'd I'd, I'd buy a garden with a four hundred meter running track in the back of it. <laughs> that's kind of knocked me for six. That the idea of just going around a running track for two hours like that's pretty. Oh, two hours was the nothing. It was nothing like that's amazing. Like there's something quite I don't know like um, hypnotic about it or yeah, therapeutic. Cathartic. There's something very like when do you stop? Like once you've been going, like how do you know when to just you, like it was so cathartic for me so yeah. cathartic because you didn't have to you know and that's the thing is like everyone runs for a different reason right and i i was just like well the reason i like, like running is for how it makes me feel and for the fact that you know it's, it's the movement and and the sensation and the the way that i'm breathing and the the space i get and the fatigue i get and the thoughts i have once i get tired i was like well, i don't need to run in crazy places for, like for that because mm-hmm. If, if you do like 70, 80 miles a week around London, you, you, you're running the same routes anyway. So like mm-hmm. my idea was, was like, you know, even if I'm running up and down the Thames every day, I'm still usually pretty much the same part of the Thames. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so why not, why not just shorten it to a 400 meter loop, be able to enjoy it. And also, you know, there is the benefit of being able to stop at any point you want. Yeah. So, but, but then there was the mental challenge of having to keep going as well, because <laughs> you yeah. can stop any point you want so yeah. it's like that juxtaposition of like you, you know like if you, when you're um do you listen to music when you're running or do you just just go 
yeah nowadays nowadays like i love i would i wouldn't really leave the house without without um a spotify playlist or but you know i've done it i've done it all like i've done the podcast where you just run for hours listening to podcasts and um around around the running track like i used to love that and um i yeah i wouldn't really listen to music that much around the running track because you know i think the I, for me like the music helps you connect to the environment and the sensation and and da 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 whereas the running track the environment didn't really change so mm. um yeah I, I did a lot of miles with no music no podcasts just running around the track because yeah and and then like i said like you can you can stop you don't you can stop at literally any step and be 200 meters away from where you started or alternatively you know you have to keep going every time you pass that 400 meter point so i loved it i guess like it's i read something about how it was an ex-addict talking about how they've kind of i guess in a relatively unhelpful attack on someone's character, you can say, well, you've just replaced your addiction to drugs with your addiction to running. And this recovering addict was saying, well, yeah, maybe I have, but this new addiction that I have is actually really good for me and makes me happy and leads to really positive relationships in my life. So is there actually a problem with this addiction? Like if that's what it is, maybe I am just an addictive person and I've, I now get high on running instead of heroin, but is that a problem? Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think that it is an addictive uh, like lifestyle or? I think that's in, that is interesting because I think the connotation of that is, is like, are you thinking about running when you're not running for prolonged periods of time? And it probably, it probably has taken me a while to have like, you know, three weeks or two weeks where I haven't run where I don't necessarily kind of, feel that sense of guilt for not having done it which is why when you were like oh like <clears throat> introduce yourself it, you know that imposter that sense of imposter syndrome is it will always be there because like if i'm not out if if you literally didn't if you literally you'd have to literally ask me that question whilst i'm out racing like a 50 mile race uh, to be like yeah i'm an endurance i'm an endurance um sport athlete or you know whatever yeah. um <clears throat> otherwise you know, I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I've done like 800 miles this year on Strava. Like, that's all right. But um, which is mental, right? <laughs> yeah. And other way. But that's it. And um, yeah, I think you, I think you can replace these sense of these kind of addictive personalities and or, or at least direct them. Um, and I well, think I think the, the hold on you kind of does change, though, over time. What you said actually made me think about it in a totally new way. The first thing you said around do you think about it when you're not doing it you know like is it is it kind of all consuming and maybe it is maybe you not you but one couldn't be addicted to running in the sense that when they're not running they just can't wait to hit the track again or hit a trail again but that's still a relatively healthy addiction and it, it there's also a thing for me around well do you need to solve that problem like is there anything is this hurting anyone it's not hurting them it's not hurting anyone else if if what they want to do with all of their spare time is clock and miles on Strava. Cool. I've been having, I've been having like a really interesting conversation with a buddy of mine recently, which is, um, I, and like, I don't know, <clears throat> this probably isn't the best way to label it, but it's like, um, it's like, I'm tired of like the bottom of the barrel mentality. And what I mean by that is like, you know, talking about, um, kind of recent relationships is like, you know, we just, we riff about everything. Like there is, there is nothing we don't talk about in with, with our friendship and the relationships we have with women and, and life and work. And, you know, often as, as is the way 
when someone um you know if a relationship falls falls apart and we'll have this conversation and the conversation will turn towards like basically like um yeah i can't believe she did that or at least she did that you know um and this is just anecdotal right just um you know mm-hmm. oh at, at least at least she took the time to message you and i was like i'm so fucking tired of this bottom of the barrel mentality of like at least someone did something and that and that kind of sense of like you know it's better than being you know an addiction to, to running is better than the bottom of a barrel crack addict in a in a do, do you see what i mean like yeah, I, do. I, yeah, I kind yeah, of yeah. i kind of try and gra- I, I don't try and gravitate towards that because like that I under- be baseline. yeah yeah that 100 percent is like the baseline shouldn't be like you know completely addicted to to an amphetamine that is that that by virtue of taking it is addictive, yeah. you know, you know, um, and I understand that the connotations of the, the stimulation that your body provides you when you do exercise, you know, it, because, um, <clears throat> and this is interesting. This is a little segue. I mean, I, I feel like I said my piece on that, <laughs> but no, 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 yeah. like, <clears throat> um, uh, a little segue. I, I had a friend who was a doctor at Chelsea and Westminster hospital. And she said, um she was like max I'm, I'm doing like a pain study do you want to um come in and and we'll kind of put you down as like because you because you do like athlete stuff um <clears throat> we'll put you down as like a bit of an a, you know a um what's it called like the someone that's an outlier for the for the test like you're just not a normal person and so i go in to do this pain study and, and it's all dumb stuff like you know putting an, one hand in ice water and then putting like a like a a slowly warming piece of metal on the other arm and when you register what would be pain um because of the relativeness of you know of something that's really cold and hot like you feel it different right and um <clears throat> i was chatting to the guy that was actually running the study in the and the department and he was explaining to me that the concept is usually that endurance athletes have a higher pain threshold. You know, the idea is, is that these people that can go out and do these amazing things have like this insanely high pain threshold. And he goes, it's not actually true. It's um, what we tend to find is they're more in tune with their body, like a ton more in tune with their body. And they, and then do the, and they, what they actually do is they realize they're in pain a lot earlier because they're in tune with their body. And effectively what they end up doing is releasing serotonin, which is an incredibly calming, um, uh, a, a calming, um what drug for your body yeah um, sooner and then <clears throat> so what we end what we have actually found is that most endurance athletes are just serotonin junkies like they are kind of chasing that that bigger serotonin here rather than so it's it's interesting that the idea that these these athletes are like just so like impervable to pain but the reality is is that they feel it so much easier but they just want more of it yeah and their body's actually putting them through less pain because of the process that they're going through i guess yeah, because they're so much better at, at coping with it. Yeah, how fascinating! And you said that was a study that you you participated in. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I, I so it was the guy that was running the study. This kind of like it what that wasn't the actual study, but he was telling me like as we were going through his yeah, kind of pain yeah. pain study, amazing. Which I thought I thought was super interesting. I mean, I think that um, for me, exercise in a very different degree to you has always been a part of my life but I've never been, I was never the the football player. I've also never been the guy that enjoyed going to the gym and having like a chest day, you know, like that's, that's, that's not, that's not me. Um, but it's more of a barometer for me. I think the times in my life when I have stopped exercising, it's never been like a conscious thing. Of, I'm going to stop working out. I'm going to stop running. I'm going to stop 
um, doing whatever. But those are definitely the times when um, kind of depression's been at its worst versus the times when I feel really motivated to exercise. Those are the times when actually the rest of my life is um, is going well. So I do, presumably I do exercise to maintain my mental health, but actually it feels like I, I'm not conscious of that. It's a retroactive realization that, oh shit, yeah, like back then when I wasn't exercising, actually that was a pretty rough time in my life. Whereas now when I'm exercising loads, yeah, things are a bit better at the moment, actually. Quite happy. Um, and I feel that that's probably a relatively shared thing amongst most people you know it's like putting the horse before the cart isn't it like you're not you're not really sure mm. like do you feel good because you're exercising or do you conversely do you feel bad because you're not exercising but like i know 100 and this is actually something i talked to about my um i have a small little run community that i help <clears throat> just have conversations with and guide through and provide little training plans for and one of the biggest things we actually talk about or i like to talk about anyway is is our sense of expectation and what we expect from ourselves i think that's exactly it is is i do i'm the same like i feel if i'm not exercising i kind of feel horrible and i'm like well i kind of know that if i exercise i would feel better but i'm feeling horrible and i don't want to exercise Mm -hmm. like it it, it's uh you know it's um and so then the you know, if you kind of narrate your way through it, like I, I then start talking about expectation. And I was like, well, what do you consider exercise? Because we are, we kind of get caught up. Like anyone, anyone, especially in the running world that you will talk to, if they pick up an injury and take, you know, two months off or a month off, their last memory of exercising is when they were probably the fittest because mm-hmm. they've, they've trained, got fit, picked up an injury. So their concept of exercise is being able to do, you know, like for yourself, right? Your concept of exercise now, if you had to take two months away from running, would be to do a 45-minute 10K. Mm -hmm. When in reality, you've done that once. And I'm questioning questioning the validity of that timing anyway. (laughs) Well, you're questioning the validity of that timing. (laughs) I'm going to need a screenshot. I'm going to need a watch shot. (laughs) You don't don't think I've I've made that happen? 45 minutes, 12 seconds was the actual thing. So no, I've not not broken the 45-minute mark. 45 and 12 was the uh was yeah the but that, that's the thing and if and if you had to take two months off running now and someone was like oh man like you know like how, how's your running going you'd be like oh like you know i had an injury and i had to take some time off but i was doing 40 10k in 45 minutes wouldn't you that'd be your narrative yeah so, so then when you come back to it you're like ah oh, i'm really far from that when the reality is you know you've done it like and, it, and i think that's what some people struggle with so yeah you're right or, yeah, or i struggle with no you're so right and actually I do that in a really micro capacity as well where if I had a really good week of eating clean or and um exercising and training or whatever and then all of a sudden I have a chocolate bar I think well now that you've done that you may as well just eat whatever you want for dinner and actually the workout tomorrow morning probably doesn't need to happen anymore I actually have a beer because you've already fucked today anyway so let's just call today a write-off which inevitably impacts the next day. And then you think, well, I'm further behind than I was now. And it's compounding. But yeah, it's expectation, I guess. You used an analogy of an injury and I used a chocolate bar. One Yeah, different. I mean, they're both relative, right? But yeah, like, one of them is, is a question. your own fault, though. <laughs> like, you, can avoid the the, inju- you can avoid the chocolate bar. You can't necessarily avoid the injury. No, but you can't. I actually don't think you can avoid the chocolate bar. That This is my... I'm, I, I, I do... I mean, yes, you know, that's a bit existential. But... Um, like, I mean, are you eating this chocolate bar 
you know, are, you know, when you're buying the chocolate bar, are you are you hiding it from the cashier and like pretending it's for someone else? You know, are you are you then eating that on your car in your car on your way home so that other people don't see you eating that? Like, um, I know what you're saying. You know, the, the, the perhaps you know there is so much more to the worlds that we live in that that kind of shape how we feel about the environment that we're, that we're kind of faced mm-hmm. with, which is like, I'm the, you know, that, that sense of, you might not necessarily meant to kind of go into it in too much, but, you know, uh, eating, eating something and breaking a diet, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, there, there, there's, there's tons around it that, that definitely resonates with me. And um, I think, I think it's really interesting, you know, the concept of, like you said, like, I don't know anyone, and I'd actually love to hear what you you have to say in it. But I don't know anyone, and I actually mean that. I don't know anyone that has a healthy relationship with food. If I'm being totally honest, because like I certainly don't. I'm not. I don't have any um, eating disorders, and I certainly am not losing sleep over it. But it will be a daily thing of should I eat this? Do I want to eat that? How many calories is in this? Should I should I get a takeaway? I really want a burger, but oh, that's like such a dirty meal to have that's fucking so unhelpful and so unhealthy and I I think most people yeah everyone I know has a similar relationship with food which isn't helpful it doesn't actually add anything to your experience of life yeah I mean I find food food's like a really 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 kind of sensitive subject because I think the worrying thing about the world we live in is that if if you or I talk about food everyone suddenly feels like we feel like we're we're kind of God's derived um kind of narrative person for talking about how people should eat food when that's absolutely not the case right um yeah but um so i I kind of find the uh, the 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 kind of conversations around eating disorders fascinating because um obviously like you said there aren't that many people that if you kind of sat down with them who don't have eating disorders. I mean, I'd, I'd actually invite you to come meet my brothers because it seems like they're, <laughs> they're, they're golden. Like they are, it's the last thing they, they don't worry about it at all. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Whereas me, like I'm like the other end of the scale, like, you know, yeah. so um, to the point where, where um, I remember one mother's day, I went, I went home <clears throat> and um, to see my mum and my older brother was there, just me, my mum and my older brother. And because I'd gone home, it was near this place that I grew up training, which is a series of steps. <clears throat> and it is like 180 steps, double steps, massive thing. Duh, duh, duh. I, I would run up and down it. And I remember that I'd recently separated with a girlfriend. So this is obviously where the whole thing kind of, the, you know, the, the, the mental stimulation that whatever it was, the turmoil in my life. I'd never done it as many times as that. I did, I did 24 series. It probably took about an hour and 40 minutes of just continually going up and down these steps. It's horrible. Like it's horrible. And um, <clears throat> I hadn't really eaten much in the morning. So I get back to, to my mum's house to have Sunday lunch with my brother and my mum. And there's a big rib of beef on the side. And I'm like, look, I'm absolutely starving. Do you have anything to eat? And my mum's like, no, we don't have anything. We don't have anything else in the house. She lives, she lives on her own. Like she doesn't pre- prep for the super hungry kids to come home yeah and um i was like well can i just get like a little slice of the beef to like because because you know we're gonna have, like when's lunch and she's like 40 minutes i was like i can't i just can't wait that long like and <laughs> and it literally it got to the point where my brother was like um he was like no don't touch the beef 
and I was like, no, I need, I need something to eat. Like I, I am like, I've just done an hour and 40 minutes of running up and down the steps, like destroy, destroying my soul because I feel horrible about, I didn't say this, but like, you know, the relationship that had just failed a few weeks before. And, um, <clears throat> and we, we ended up fighting, like physically fighting at the ages of 32, 33. And I went and cried, cried in the shower because I was so hungry. So like emotionally charged through, through having done this process of what is effectively my, coping mechanism of running up and down steps and then being told I can't have food when my relationship with food is so horrible do, do you know what I mean like yeah. you know it, yeah. it was it back. was yeah like you, you know and yeah like it, these I mean they are just traumatic occasions that you don't really kind of really but it's interesting because like I, I think um yeah like if my relationship to food wasn't quite so delicate or intricate then it might not have been it might not have been so much but I think it's to be honest that even just you talking about that for a lot of people I reckon it'll be quite um leveling like quite actually like a relief people will yeah feel relieved listening to that because eating disorders we've spoken about it on um one of the first episodes I did actually with James McVeigh where he spoke really openly about um men's relationship with food and eating disorders and it's it's something that is just still not a de facto expectation of guys there's this kind of belief i still think that when it comes to mental health i think one when it comes to mental health eating disorders aren't aren't part of that puzzle you know they're a separate thing um but secondly that they're a female issue you know and the guys don't have Mm. um very difficult relationships with food but yeah i can i can imagine why that scenario for you was so triggering you know and and it's and it's the interesting thing about it is that I was wanting to eat. That's the interesting thing is that people see eating disorders as being, you know, perhaps yeah. trying to avoid certain foods or feeling guilty for eating certain foods. Like my, you know, and I definitely get that in much the same way that it sounds like maybe, maybe you do, right. It's like you, you understand, or sorry, not that you understand. You have this mental connotation in your mind that a chocolate bar is, is effectively the devil. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> you know, uh, and so that's why that particular story for me was quite so harrowing because for someone that can be so um, conscientious and and shamed yeah. themselves about eating certain foods, you know, like even to the point where, like you said, on a on a Monday, if you eat if you eat something that doesn't fit into the idea of what is your perfect diet, your whole day is you know is screwed and yeah. And then, so that, that's why that particular instance was like, do you know what? Like that was, you know, you, the, the food that you were meant to be, that you'd yeah. kind of allowed yourself to cover yeah. what, that was then taken away from you because um, the potatoes weren't ready or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm getting stressed. Just listen. yeah. Um, man, but, I, I mean, don't want to keep you, I don't want to keep you too much longer. It's been fantastic chatting. I thought we'd chat for kind of 20, 30 minutes. We've been on nearly an hour now. Um, I feel like after the pod's over, though, I'm definitely going to hit you up for some more um, running stories. You've got me a bit jazzed on this 100-mile thing. Let's see if it sticks. If I wake up tomorrow and I'm still feeling psyched for it. Um, we'll do it, again. do it again next week. I'll give you more. I've got tons of them. Like, yeah, uh, the, the running. The, we'll just have a, a side spin-off of the XY podcast, which is just about Max's running tales in Patagonia. <laughs> That's a good show, actually. I don't know why someone wouldn't listen to that show, to be honest. Like, I'd listen to that show. You should have your own podcast. Oh, it doesn't stop there. There's, there's, there's like... Yeah, I think um, like the the bottom line of it is like I always I always gravitate back towards running. 
and in, the same, in the same way that um <clears throat> you know uh, you know i consider myself a um like a, you know an artistic creative person and and yeah. I guess like running kind of sits as my as my muse if you will because the thought processes that I have like I just love it and that's what kind of keeps me coming back and like I said the 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 mental oscillation of my mind just kind of calms and smooths and it's not quite so like crazy um less hectic yeah which like why wouldn't you prescribe that as a yeah as a treatment <laughs> as a cure-all cure right I can relate to that Buddy, it's been absolutely amazing chatting to you. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. And um, yeah, we'll speak soon. Cheers, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, buddy. Speaking of that. Bye.